Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's about time to have a breakthrough. We live in a great hour. Oh, wait just a minute. I said we live in a great hour. Do you hear that? That's the sound of abundance of rain. Just as much as it's happening in the natural, it's happening in the spiritual. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. A week of camp meeting, two sermons this morning, and back to church tonight. I'm just a little tired. But I want you to know something. God's not through here. I want to thank everyone that participated in camp meeting this week. Choir members, worship team, cafe team, everybody that went and attended. What a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord we had there. I believe things were rearranged supernaturally. We're about to enter into a great harvest. Hello, somebody. But let me tell you what's going to make that happen. you got to put your hands. I said you got to put your hands in the harvest. Amen. Acts chapter 1. It's good to see everyone. If you're here and you're a guest, we've been praying for you. I said we've been praying for you. We've been asking God to send you by this way. Because you see, there's a bunch of folks in this place, they're not perfect, but they're forgiven. They're not without fault, but they serve a God that looks beyond our faults and sees our need. Amen. So you're in the right place at the right time with the right people. God wants to meet you because He's the right God. Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, They went up into an upper room where abode both Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women And Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I want to preach to you for a little while tonight from this thought. Crashing 
through. Crashing through. Why don't you put your Bibles down, your iPhone, your iPad. Take those hands and put them together. Use your voice and lift it up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Apologize for it being a little warm in here, but those little mice are running as fast as they can. We may have lost a few of them from heat exhaustion. But just so you know, hell's going to be hotter than this. Amen. Crashing through. At three years old, Mike Mays was accidentally blinded by a chemical explosion when he and his four-year-old sister were playing in the garage. He lived his entire life until he was well into his 40s before having his eyesight restored by a pioneering ophthalmologist. But despite the fact that he was blinded at a young age, it seemed that his whole life was spent overcoming the obstacles that were presented by his blindness. He learned to ride a bike, skate on a skateboard, play soccer, become an engineer, marry and have a family. He was so adept at walking by using an incredible sense of hearing that worked with echoes and how his brain interpreted those echoes. As a matter of fact, most people were not even aware that he was blind until they'd get close enough to him to see his eyes. Robert Curson tells the story in a book entitled Crashing Through. The title came about when Mike began to describe his childhood that when he would play on the playground or in pickup games of football with his neighborhood buddies, that he was always having to crash through some obstacle or hindrance that prevented him from accomplishing what he wanted to do. So it was with many scrapes and bruises and aches and pains that Mike accomplished what he did with his life. But even then, after he had corrective surgery, huge, discouraging obstacles had to be endured. It was almost as if Mike's brain did not know how to figure out spatial and peripheral visual fields that he had to navigate through. But he continued on with his efforts at crashing through to do what needed to be done. Now I want to say to this church tonight, if there is any spiritual inclination about you at all, we have to understand that involvement in spiritual revivals and leadership is going to tax everything about us. We are in a battle that will throw every single distraction and danger it can to hinder where the church individually and collectively is headed. But I've got good news tonight for somebody in this building that's been baptized in His name and filled with His Spirit. 
you have the ability and the wherewithal to Christ through any circumstance, any situation, any roadblock, anything that might stand in your way. The hand of God is upon you and you will not be hindered by the things of this life if you could get the spirit of crashing through everything that presents itself to you that tries to hinder you. Nobody ever said it would be easy. Listen to me. I'm going to give you a little, few little tidbits here. You will become as small as your controlling desire. As great as your dominant aspiration. You can make up your mind to cower down and live defeated. Or you can make up your mind to rise up and live victorious. Come on, somebody. You can make up your mind to walk around with your head hung low. Or you can make up your mind to throw your head back and your hands up and say, Listen, I don't care what you throw at me. I'm a child of the King and God in heaven. I'm a child of the living God. He knows exactly where I'm at. And he knows how to get me through. And I will not cease to trust him. No road is too long to the man who advances deliberately and without undue haste. And no honors are too distant. For the man who prepares himself for them with patience. Hear me right now. Every noble work was at first impossible. Hard pounding gentlemen. But we will see who can pound the longest. Never despair. But if you do. Work on in despair. You know, you can't be a quitter and be a winner. I wish somebody would help me. I'm going to preach a little tired tonight unless you help me. And then I'll preach till I just pass out and Sister Saint has to haul me on her shoulders to the car. Now that'll be a show. That'll be worth the price of the ticket right there. Watch this now. I want somebody to hear me. I want you to understand. God wants you to crash through every obstacle and every hindrance that comes into your path. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. 
For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Hear me, hear me, hear me. I want you to realize the only thing you have is your soul. There's nothing worth risking your soul. There's nothing worth dying and going to hell over. There's no one worth dying and going to hell over. Whatever it takes, make up your mind. I'm going to take a risk, but it's going to be a kingdom risk. I'm going to trust God in my circumstance. Hebrews chapter 11, you know it well. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused. Sometime you just got to crash through opportunity that presents itself that's contrary to the kingdom. Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith... He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Daniel 1 and 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Matthew 4 and 18. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. There's times in your life that you're just going to have to forsake everything else in your life to do the will of God. There's not a job, there's not a paycheck. There's not overtime. Somebody help me right here. There's not a car. There's not a house. That's worth sacrificing your family. That's worth sacrificing your soul. Sometimes you just got to leave it behind and make up your mind. I'm going to crash through all of that and I'm going to go do the will of God in my life. Acts chapter 20 
and verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. So that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. That same Paul writes these words to the Philippians in 3 and 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul said, I put it all on the table. I left it all on the field. I didn't hold back anything because anything that I could get really would be nothing compared to my relationship with the God of all glory. Oh, somebody hear me right now. Your reputation, your, the matter of whether or not you're famous and well known, that's not important. The thing that is important is that at the end of your life, you have done the will of God and God has led you and you have followed His leading. Some of us must understand we cannot underestimate the day. Did you get that? Far too often in life, both spiritually and materially, there is a tendency to underestimate the value of a day's journey. The journey that the disciples took that day was a little over a half mile. There were limitations on the Sabbath. Exodus 16 and 25 said, And Moses said, Eat that today. For today is a Sabbath under the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. The limitation did not cover just work and food. It also governed their travels. In Numbers 35 and 5, the scripture said, And ye shall measure from without the city on the east side 2,000 cubits, on the south side 2,000 cubits, and on the west side 2,000 cubits, and on the north side 2,000 cubits, and the cities shall be in the midst. This shall be to them the suburbs of the city. So what's that mean, Bishop? That passage defined the suburbs of the cities of the Levites as 200 cubits or six stadia. It defined the distance that on the Sabbath people could travel it was a little more 
than a half mile. So according to Acts, when the disciples left Jesus, it was really just a short walk physically. But its implications were huge. You see, sadly enough, it is a distance that the majority of people never take. It is this half mile of destiny. That only a few select people choose to take. But this half mile journey does so much to separate them from the general population of the world and the church. Just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. It is often this quest for crashing through that we forget the power that lies in one day. If we're willing just to have a daily commitment, there can be great rewards that come from it. I challenge you tonight that our purpose in life ought to be like that river that was born out of little streams in the mountains. We can finally see what happens when the accumulation of water starts to roar in the great rivers like the Mississippi, the Ohio, and the Amazon. If you were to watch them carefully, you would notice at the origin of those rivers, there are undercurrents that create small eddies where it seems like the water is changing its mind about flowing in to the mighty force. But once it starts on its pace, if a dam is built, the harness water can create electricity that can light up a million hopes and thousands of a city. If the tide attempts to wash in at the river's mouth, there's still such a force behind it that it will dump out into the ocean. But it all started up in a little mountain stream that was insignificant, powerless. But as it began to make its way through, as it began to force its way through some places that it wasn't originally designed to go through, as it makes its way down, it begins to expand and begins to get larger to the place uh, that even the oceans uh, can't hold it back. Uh, I rise on this Sunday night to tell somebody if you'll just crash through your obstacle, it may seem insignificant uh, and unimportant right now, but if you'll just keep moving, uh, if you'll just keep running, uh, if you'll just keep walking at the end of the journey you will become a powerful force that nothing can stop don't underestimate the 
small streams of purpose that are flowing in your life right now. But give yourself to the momentum of your calling. In 1983, my wife and I, my kids, we climbed in a little 32-foot Terry fifth wheel. I rented, Brother Miller, I was renting it from Brother Shorty Mayo. Now, you're talking about big time. Brother Kirk Mayo evangelized in that travel trailer. They went away on a trip. When they got back, somebody had unplugged the travel trailer. Now, inside the travel trailer is a refrigerator. And in the refrigerator, there was food. There was meat. And in the middle of the summer... With the refrigerator defrost, so does everything else. And until the day I sold that, or gave it back, I don't remember if I sold it or gave it back, you could still smell that refrigerator. Brother Kevin, I was living the big life. My wife and I and two kids went to to Fort Wayne, Indiana, I had a brand new, brand new, just bought it, Pontiac 2000. Probably the first brand new car I'd ever bought in my life. Took it with me to Fort Wayne and sold it to a school teacher there. I drove out of my driveway, left everything that I had, and nobody knew who I was. I left Anderson with two weeks revival schedule. My wife was a registered nurse. I had a six-state sales territory in the mid-1980s. We were making probably sixty dollars to $80,000 a year. We had a car, two cars. A home. My first year on the evangelistic field, I made $16,000. I was feeding an F-150, F-250, I'm sorry, super cab with a 460 in it that got about five miles to the gallon. And that was the days that it didn't vapor lock. I knew you'd like that, Brother Sean. Watch this now. I'm going to tell you something. We started out as a little trickle in the kingdom. It was just a little stream. Not really significant in any way. But I want to tell you something.
almost 40 years later, I've preached all over the world. My wife has traveled with me. We've preached conferences and camp meetings. We've literally seen thousands of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, you're bragging on yourself? Not at all. I'm just trying to tell you something the devil would like for you to think that just because it's small, it's not important. But I'm trying to tell you, you need to crash through that doubt. You need to crash through that unbelief. You need to turn your faith loose and let God do what God wants to do. purpose in life don't underestimate the purpose of small streams now watch this the journey always has contradictions the first lesson is that you can't underestimate the day the second lesson is that your journey will have its share of contradictions The journey that the disciples, this hardy 120, started on had its share of fears and even some discouragement. They understood that Jesus was now gone from them. But journeys like this always begin in this manner, but they generally turn into something with great power. Gideon, with his understaffed army, God brought great victory. Esther, fearful of approaching the king, but necessity saved her people. Abraham left all that was dear to him and achieved God's plan for the ages. Elijah, who fought the worst king Israel had in Ahab and prevailed. You see... The forward progress of crashing through will always have contradictions. The contradictions will always be there until there is a dying out to things of lesser value. The disciples had to make that Sabbath day journey to the upper room, but they made a trade. Hear me when I tell you, we will have to trade good things for noble things. We will have to trade lesser things for greater things. We will have to trade worldly things for heavenly things. We will be forced to trade things of common worth for greater worth. We may think we know the value of noble spiritual things. Things like revival, consecration, prayer, and growth. But until we finally experience them, it will only be at that point that the true worth of crashing through helps us to see. 
I dare say to you that those great seekers of the Bible were all uncertain until the task was finally fulfilled. What about the man who sold all he had to get the pearl of great price? What about the man who sold all to purchase the field with hidden treasure? What about Matthew who left his tax tables to get in on what Jesus was calling for? What uncertainties were in the heart of Zacchaeus as he was climbing that sycamore tree? What contradictions did Paul struggle with when he knew that going to Rome was going to mean facing a Caesar who would behead him? I know what it's like to have discouragement tugging at your heart when you're trying to encourage others. I know what it's like to have doubt tearing your faith down while you're trying to patch up the deteriorated faith of others. I know what it's like to endure criticism that will drain the life out of every spiritual vision that you've ever had. I know what it's like when desire is ebbing out of your soul while you keep your game face on for one more round with the devil. I know what it's like to have disappointment with yourself and with others. I know what it's like to have high aspirations only to be stifled by the daily responsibilities of life. I say this with all that I can today. Just a few months ago, I had my life lined out. I thought I knew the direction that my life was going to take. My wife and I had great plans for the rest of our life. And I want to tell you something, God still got a plan. I know, I know that many of you have questions tonight. I know that some of you have misgivings tonight about where we're at and what we're doing. But I want you to understand that all these things that we'll, we will have to fight against as we give rise to the high calling of God that is within us are things that will be worth the fight when it's over. I need to tell somebody tonight that your journey will be forged by moving forward. Do you hear me? You're not going to get it done until you understand you can't sit on a church seat and expect God's will to be accomplished in you. you got to get up even if it's one step at a time, one day at a time. you got to make up your mind. My victory is relative to my moving forward, not setting still or going backwards. A 
fellas paid a little visit to the tomb and the angel of the Lord showed up. Ask him a question. Why stand you here gazing? He's not here. I said he's not here. You see, if we retreat to the Old Testament, there's an incredible verse that sums up David's success. In 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 10, the Bible said, And David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. The Bible said David went on. Now, if you read the life of David, David went through some junk. Granted, some of it was self-created, but some of it was just somebody that was jealous of who he was and jealous of his anointing and jealous of his calling. Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you, the critics will be jealous of your calling. The critics will be jealous of your anointing. But the critics probably aren't moving forward. They're sitting somewhere in the cheap seats and taking cheap shots. But I want to tell you that the Spirit of the Lord is calling you tonight to rise up from where you are. And the Bible said David went on. And God is saying to you, you've got to go on. You got to crash through the criticism. You got to crash through the depression. You got to crash through the discouragement and do the will of God. You can be seated. The Bible said David went on. I tell you tonight that there's much power in those who went on. And our mindset needs to be going on. Jacob went on to God's purpose. The priest went on in front of the children of Israel carrying the ark. Elisha went on with Elijah and he got the mantle. There is value in moving forward. It might not move as quickly as you think it should. It might not go the way you think it ought to go. But the issue is not that. The issue is are you moving forward? The dilemma of life often presents itself that we get stuck in a place when we ought to go on. Far too many in the church, everywhere, want to camp out at their points of success and of revival. I remember when we moved into this building. I remember it very well. It took us six months to get off of our laurels of success. That we had built this great building. Man, look at this. Let's just come in here and pat ourselves on the back. Oh, you're not going to help me, but that's okay. I I know I was there. And I beat my brains out trying to do everything I could to try some way to get not God to move. God was willing to move. To get people to move forward with God. Hear me right now. I know we've got this is a great church 
full of great people. But I'm going to tell you something. If you sit there and you don't move forward with where God's wanting to take you, it won't be long until the enemy comes and overtakes you. God is saying to the first Pentecostal church, you got to move forward. I'm calling you to a different level. I'm calling you to a different place. And you've got to move forward. So much dies in us when we don't progress forward in our, after our victories. You need to be moving on after the great prayer revival. After a time of fasting. After a time of revival. After the time that God used you greatly. Don't let that be the last time God uses you greatly. You hear me? Go on to a greater level of growth. So much in us dies when we cry over spilled milk. Listen to your bishop right now. I'm about to give you a word from God. Let the past go. Forget it. Now, wait a minute. Forget it. I'm going to wet my throat real good. Let the past go. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Well, I didn't get that position. I didn't get that special in the choir. I didn't get that Sunday school class. They took mine away. Get over it. Move forward. God's got something more in store for you if you won't get stalled out in yesterday's heart. Watch this. I I told you it was going to be a night of a little tidbit, so just listen. Look for the opportunities in your victories and in your defeats. If I just had an opportunity, I don't necessarily want a blessing, just an opportunity. So much can be done with opportunity if you're willing to invest it into God's purpose. Watch me here. Just just stay with me. I'm going to slow down like a Wednesday night right now. An opportunity to prove who you are. You talk a big game all you want to. Let's see what you got, baby. An opportunity to stay with it. Oh, I got a calling, do you? Do you? If you got a calling, you'll stay with it. An opportunity to turn life around. An opportunity to improve your mind. An opportunity to form good habits. An opportunity to have sterling character. An opportunity to be useful. An opportunity to invest your life and not waste it. An opportunity to make a plan for the future. Watch me, I'm hurrying. 
The word opportunity comes from a root signifying at port or in the harbor. Let that settle just a minute. The suggestive of that statement is there is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at flood leads on to fortune. You have to think of a trader who is dealing in the market ready to turn every opportunity into an advance for him. There are great opportunities that will present themselves only once or twice in a lifetime. And you must take advantage of those times and not look back. Opportunity is like a strip of sand that stretches up and down the beaches. The greedy tides are always working against the sand. Whether it is people, communities, nations, or churches, no one can allow the erosion of opportunities. Let me give you one more. The journey. Watch now. Always descends into greatness. You can't underestimate the day. It has its share of contradictions. It will be completed when you move forward. And the fourth, the journey always descends into greatness. The Mount of Olives was the height of fellowship. But to get to Jerusalem, you had to descend geographically. Jerusalem is always the downward path, but it's the right path. You have to descend from the mountain to Jerusalem. You have to descend from the mountain to make it to the upper room. You have to descend from contentment to discontentment. You have to descend from happiness to being useful. Watch. There's always a descending that takes us to sacrifice, that takes us to commitment, that takes us to desire and perseverance and consecration and selflessness and passion and determination. The problem is That far too many people make their journey to church and only think of the gas, the money, and the time that may be required of them. And they lose sight of the spiritual possibilities of addition. Second Peter chapter one, and I'm 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 done. Second Peter chapter one and verse five. Beside this, giving all diligence, add To your faith, virtue. To your virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, on this day... Man can travel from earth to heaven if he can just make a push for it. 
you descend by dying, crashing through. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Years ago, I heard Pastor Anthony Mangan tell a story because of the times that I've never forgotten. Stories told of a young name by the name of a young man by the name of Monty, who was the son of an itinerant horse trainer, who would go from stable to stable, racetrack to racetrack, farm to farm, and ranch to ranch, training horses. As a result, the boy's high school career was continually interrupted. And when he was a senior, He was asked to write a paper about what he wanted to be and what he wanted to do when he grew up. That night he wrote a seven-page paper describing the goal of someday owning a horse ranch. He wrote about his dream in great detail and he even drew a diagram of the 200-acre ranch showing the location of all the buildings, the stables, and the track. And then he drew a detailed floor plan of a 4,000 square foot house that would sit on 200 acre dream ranch. He put a great deal of his heart into the project and the next day he handed it in to his teacher. Two days later he received his paperback on the front page was a large red F with a note that read, see me after class. The teacher said, This is an unrealistic dream for a young boy like you. You have no money. You come from an itinerant family. You have no resources. Owning a horse ranch requires a lot of money. You have to buy the land. You have to pay for the original breeding stock. And later you'll have to pay large stud fees. There's no way you'll ever get to do that. Then she handed the paper back to him. If you will rewrite this paper with a more realistic goal, I'll reconsider your grade. Monty went home and thought about it long and hard. He asked his father what he should do. His father told him, look, son, you got to make up your mind on this. However, I think it's very important. Decision that you make. After sitting and thinking for a week, the boy turned in the same paper making no changes at all. And he stated, you can keep the F, I'll keep my dream. The boy with a dream became a man and his dream became reality. A few years ago, 
Monty told the story in the living room of his 4,000 square foot house in the middle of the 200 acre horse ranch. The paper that he wrote had been framed and hung over the mantle of his fireplace. He related that two summers ago, that same school teacher brought 30 kids to camp out on his ranch. When the teacher was leaving, he told Monty, in years past, I've been somewhat of a dream stealer. During those years, I took kids' dreams. Fortunately, you didn't give up on yours. Don't let anyone steal your dreams, no matter what. Come on, stand with me. In prayer today, my wife and I finished up in Wabash. We climbed in the car, loaded up the car, got home about 3.30. So I wasn't praying out loud where my wife could hear me. I was praying in the Spirit, in my spirit. And this is what the Lord spoke to me for this service tonight. There have been some people, some men, women, boys, and girls that the enemy has tried to put obstacles in the way and steal your dream. There's some ministries represented here. Things hadn't turned out exactly how you had envisioned them. And the devil would like for that to be a stronghold in your life. And a roadblock to keep you from going where God wants you to go. I had people say of me, you'll never make it. You'll be belly up on the road in just a few years. Let me just tell you something. I know I've talked a little bit about me tonight, but you love me enough, you let me do that. I'm going to tell you something. My last year on the field... After that two weeks that I had scheduled, I never was unscheduled. But my last year on the field, being on the field five years, I preached 50 out of 52 weeks. I took off for Christmas and conference. That was it. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put everybody in my schedule that wanted to be in my schedule. What are you saying? I'm just telling you, when you got a calling in your life, it doesn't matter what anybody says, what anybody does, what anybody thinks. Listen to me right here. Monty, what are you going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give that paper back to that teacher. You keep your F. I'm going to hold on to my dream. There's somebody here tonight that those around you have labeled you a failure. But God sent me on this Sunday night to tell you, let the devil keep his F and for you to move forward in your dream. And so tonight in this place, I'm calling on somebody to crash through. You might get bruised. You might get beat up a little bit. But if you accomplish what you set out to do, 
What does it matter? What does it matter? So I'm looking for somebody here that's had your dream stolen. God sent me to tell you tonight I'm going to restore that dream. Things that you prayed about that nobody in this room knew you prayed about. You thought God had forgotten them. God said to remind you tonight, I heard every one of them and I haven't forgotten them. I just need you to take a step forward tonight. Come on. You've sat down and accepted that it wasn't going to happen. But if you'll take a step forward tonight, I'm about to move on your behalf. And I'm going to answer some things that you've asked me. Come on. That's it. Just lift your hands to the Lord right where you're at right now. Crash through. Crash through. Crash through. Crash through. I'm not going to be stopped. I'm not going to be hindered. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I may have to go down to go up, but I'm going to make it. I'm going to see it brought to pass and come to fruition. Because God promised me that it was going to happen. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus. (laughs) Come on, church family. God's going to move right now. God's going to move right now. Come on. God still got that ministry in mind that He promised you. God still got that vision in place that He gave you. The anointing hasn't left you. The anointing's just waiting on you to move forward. The anointing will fall again.